we just finished a, a study, I think it's about four months on, on going through the letter of 1 John. We wrapped that up last week. And so this week we want to just come back and I want, really just want to go back to a point of reminder. And that is this, our, our men's power lunch exists to lead men and to train men and to encourage men to be the man that God intends them to be. And ever since the start, we started, there was about 15 of us. We met back in that room back there. We had sandwiches. Ever since the start, that has been the goal, to, to be the man, to lead people, men, to be the man that God has called us to be. Because the truth today is this, the world absolutely has hijacked even the idea of what a real man is. Think about that. What a real man is has been robbed away, stolen away by Satan in the world. And, and what a real man is, even the concept of that has been stolen away from us. And so our, our goal is, is, to, is to go back and say, you know what, what has God said that it looks like to be a true godly man? Be, be sure today, our world is suffering in the absence of true godly men. And we look across and see all the problems in our culture, in our government, in our towns, in our schools. And I'll tell you, our, our world is suffering in the absence of godly men. Our homes are suffering. Our wives are suffering. Our kids are suffering. Our church today are suffering in the absence of godly men. I said this at the very start, uh, that, that our idea of a godly man today has really become some kind of sissified house cat who sits around by his bowl of milk purring, waiting for somebody to fill up his milk bowl. And, and really, that's the idea of, of a Christian man today. You know what? A real man, they're, they're at the Buffalo Wild Wings with a 12-pack and a bunch of hot wings, and they're doing these things. And, and, a, and a godly man is some kind of sissified house cat somewhere. Well, well let me just tell you, uh, we need godly men. Our world needs godly men. Our homes, our churches need godly men. We need men that will stand up in a, in a sorry culture and stand as a godly, God-fearing, God-honoring, Christ-following man, what God has intended. Well, all of that, I say that, and then it comes down to this question. Well, what does that look like? If, if our idea of a man is so distorted has been so messed up, how do we even know what that looks like? How would we, we train our sons to, to, to grow and to be the men that God's called them to be? How would we know what it is, what it looks like to be that type of man? What does that look like and how will we know how to be that kind of man? Here's the answer. And really this is the point of our men's lunch. Uh, every lesson we have hopefully comes back to this. Here's the answer. How do we know how to be that type of man. How would I be trained how to be that type of man? Here's the answer. It comes only from the word of God. It comes only from the word of God. I've been saying this for some time. Today in 2018, we need a resurgence of the word of God. That's what we need. The, the greatest thing that can happen is not an election, is not some movement through our government, not some military thing, not something that happens at the border. The greatest thing that can happen in our country, in our homes, in our church, is a resurgence of the word of God. Let me tell you this. Men are missing today because the Bible has gone missing. 
And that's what I believe men have gone missing today because the Bible has gone missing. So men, we need to return to the Bible. We need to go back to the Bible as our guide, as followers of Jesus Christ. Greatest thing that could happen, and I've said this a million times, the greatest thing that could happen, here you are, it's a Thursday men's lunch, you've had fried chicken. The greatest thing that could happen is that you would pick up your Bible And you would understand this is the word of the living God and it is my guide in how to live. It is a guide that points me to Jesus Christ and that we would endeavor to live according to this word. Greatest thing that would ever happen is we'd be led by the word of God. Well, today, very quickly, we're gonna go to a song, a psalm uh, written about the word of God. It's it's Psalm 119. Uh, In Psalm 119, it is God himself telling us about his word telling us about his purpose for his word. And so it's a song written, it's the word of God, but it is God himself saying, this is the truth about my word. He's telling us about his word in the hopes that we would have confidence in it. And and I hope that's what comes out of our verses today. When you leave here today, that you would have confidence in the word of God. We're in Psalm 19. Today we're gonna look at verses seven through 11. I'm gonna read it all. And then we'll come back and look at the verses. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11. Now, before we start, let me say this. It says in these set of verses, the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, the commandments of the Lord, and the judgment of the Lord. I want you to understand before I read that, those are all phrases that are interchangeable with the word of God. So when you hear those phrases, it's talking about the word of God. Now I'm gonna read Psalm 19 again, verses seven through 11, then we'll come back and break it down. Starting in verse seven, it says this. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are much more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. All right, here's this song with the purpose of giving us confidence in the word of God. Let's look at it piece by piece. And I'm gonna start with the very first part of verse seven. It says this, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The word perfect here in the the original language means this. It means exact. The word of God is exact. It means complete. It is complete. It is perfected. It really means this, it means as it should be. The word of God is whole, it is complete. It is as it should be. Now what that means is this, it needs nothing else. It doesn't need anything pulled out of it so we can understand it better. It doesn't need things added to it, not another book, not not the pearl of great price or another book. The word of God is as it should be, it is complete, it is perfect. Now what that means is this, today we're not looking for something else. There's a whole lot of folks saying, well, I need something else. We're we're not looking for something new. We're not looking for something better. Oh, I need something better. 
than what God has said in his word. The word of God is perfect. And then it says this, it restores the soul. Here's the truth, and, and, and I bet you figured this out. Life is hard. Life is hard. Death is hard. Cancer is hard. Divorce is hard. Man, even marriage is hard. But having and following the perfect word of God restores the soul. Here's what the word restore means in the original language. It means this, to be set back up. You're sitting on a wall and you're doing fine and you're up there laughing and joking and the things of life knock you off the wall. It is to be set back up. You know what? The word of God is perfect. It's complete. We're not looking for something else and the word of God takes us in the midst of a hard life and it sets us back up. It restores the soul. Verse continues on and it says this. The testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. Now listen to that. The testimony, the word of God is sure making wise the simple. Here is a big problem in the world today. Here is a big problem in our world. Dumb people. Dumb people mess up a whole lot of stuff. You figured that out? Dumb people mess up a whole lot of stuff. Man, you can, you can say, well, this is so plain. This is so easy. Dumb people mess up a lot of stuff. You know what? I'll just be honest with you. You know what? Sometimes I'm pretty dumb. I can do some dumb stuff. I, I can do something dumb in 30 minutes that'll take four days to fix. That's how dumb I am. Well, here's what the Bible says. Ask my wife about that. She'll tell you. If you want to be wise, you go to the word of God. The problem with us, we're dumb. The problem with our lives, we make dumb decisions. The problem with the things around us, we got dumb people doing a whole lot of dumb things. If you want to be wise, you go to the word of God. If you want to make great decisions, you go to the word of God. If you want to make great decisions in your finances, if you want to make great decisions in your business, if you want to make great decisions in your home, if you want to make great decisions, the Bible says God's word makes those that are simple, dumb, wise. If you want godly wisdom, you go to the word of God. It's as simple as that. It'll make a simple person wise. God said that. All right, verse eight, moving on. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The precepts of the Lord, the word of God, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Right. Think about that for a second. Today, we live in an age and it's, it's crazier than ever. We live in an age in which the world has said everything today is relative. Think about that. We, we can't even put a right birth, gender on a birth certificate. We're not sure what, it, what a gender is anymore. We live in an age that says everything is relative and there are no absolutes. Right now, listen, that's what's being taught to your kids. Your kids are growing up in an age where it says, you know what, it's smart to not narrow it down. It's smart, smart not to set it into concrete. Everything is relative. We live in an age where it says, you know what, there is no black and white. It's just gray. It's all gray. We live in an age where it says there's no right and wrong, not all the time. All of that is relative. And this day, nothing is set in concrete. Let me just tell you this. You know what is right 
And you know what is always right? And it was right 100 years ago, and it was right 50 years ago with my grandparents, and it's right right now. And if Jesus doesn't come back, it'll be right 100 years from now. You want to know what is right? The Word of God is right, is what the Bible says. And it says that that rejoices the heart. Let me just tell you this. It is a glad thing. It is a good thing to be able to say, you know what, I know where to go. It's a a stressful thing not to have direction. It's a chaotic thing not to have direction. You know what, it is a glad thing. It is a good thing to be able to say, you know what, I'm not searching for the answers. I'm not having to dig around for the answers. God's word is right, and I know to go to God's word. It rejoices our heart. Continues on and it says this. The commandments of the Lord are pure. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. That's what the verse says. Now, pure means this, undefiled, clean, without contamination. The word of God, listen, is pure. The Bible, the word of God, it is pure. Now, what that means is this. It hasn't been shaped by the culture. It hasn't been adapted to be politically correct. Man, things we would stand on 10 years ago and say, you know what, this is the truth and this is the, this is the God's truth right here. The world comes along and says, you know what, the world can't accept that. That doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem logical. And we shift it to make it politically correct. You know what, the Bible has not been adapted. God's word has not been adapted to make it politically correct. It has not been corrupted by the desires of man, by the twisting and turning of man. The word of God is pure without any contamination. Now, it says because of that, that it enlightens the eyes. And that's a a pretty good picture for us to see here. It means this. The word of God has not been shaped by some denomination, by some preacher, by some sinful person that wants to twist it into something else. The word of God hasn't been shaped by a government that wants it to to, to lead people to a different direction. The word of God as it stands is pure and what it does is it makes things clear. It's a lot like this. You come down your hall in the middle of the night and, and you're banging around and, and you forgot that your kids left three things in the hall and you're, you're not sure what you just kicked as you went by that and, and then that, you stepped on something furry and you hope it's the cat or the dog. And you turn on the light and you can see. It's that, it's that abrupt. It's that clear. It's that, it's that clear of a picture. You're going through life and you're dumb as a rock and you're banging through life and you're trying to figure out how to be married. You're trying to figure out how to raise kids. You're trying to figure out what kind of business person you're going to be and you're banging your way through life and you're not sure what you're stepping over and you're not sure what you're stepping on and all of a sudden the light comes on and you can see. That's what it says. The light comes on and you can see. Pretty crazy. You know what God's word says? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know what? It is pure and it turns on the light where we can see the direction. Verse 9. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. The judgments, listen to this, the judgments of the Lord are true. The word of God, it is true. It is righteous altogether. Now here's the deal. Here's what this verse is saying. You can trust the Bible. 
You can trust the Bible. Go home and tell your house tonight. We can trust the Bible. The Bible in all things, listen, is true. The Bible in all things is true. There's been about a a 50, maybe 100 year attack on the Bible. You know what? I like this part, a resurrection. But you know what? This part doesn't sound like it's true. It says the world was created in six days by the word of God. You know what? I, I don't know if I can take that to the bank, but I sure love a resurrected Savior by which I'm saved. Listen, in all things, the Bible is true. It is true. Now, we've, we've acted like, you know what? It's true as long as it tells us about God. It is true as long as it's talking about salvation. But you know what? I'm not so concerned that it has to be true in the other areas. I've heard people say this to me quite often. You know what? The Bible doesn't claim to be a history book. That's what they'll say. Well, what they're trying to do is give an excuse for the Bible. Maybe it doesn't add up. Well, the Bible doesn't claim to be a science book, never claimed to be a science book. It tells us about God, and all that is is an out for the Bible, an excuse for the Bible. Listen to me, and just listen if this doesn't make sense. The truth is the truth. The truth is the truth, and a change in the truth means it's not the truth. The Bible is the truth, and because it is the truth, the truth will always stand. The truth will always stand. Here's what I need, I need to shout louder. I want to tell my kids when they leave my home, you don't have to worry if it's going to stand. You don't have to worry or wonder if some professor is going to prove it wrong. You don't have to worry that you're going to add it all up and it somehow is going to fall apart like a, like a house of cards. It is the truth, and because it is the truth, it will stand. Pretty interesting. This week a new study came out, and I saw some folks uh, quoted it, Franklin Graham and some others shared it. A guy named Mark Strokel. He's from Rockefeller University in New York. David Thaler, he is from the University of Basel in, in Switzerland. These, these two guys have spent a whole chunk of time and they examined the genetic barcodes of 5 million animals. Not 5,000, 5 million animals. And they, they drew those from, from 100,000 species, including that were humans. And these guys spent all these years in research looking at 5 million genetic codes, DNA barcodes, and they came to this conclusion. You can read it online. They have deduced that all humans came from one couple, came from one source, one couple. These guys aren't Christians. In fact, they're writing for, the, for the, a, a paper on humanistic evolution. These guys weren't trying to support the claims of the Bible. In fact, they were probably trying to tear it down. These guys weren't saying, hey, let's see if we can, we can validate what God has said. But they came to the conclusion, you know what? All people came from two people. The word of God is true, friend. You can take it to the bank. Now, I'm going to stop right there. We've got a whole lot more to look at in these verses We'll finish this next time. But here's a, here's a simple question. Why does it matter? Why does it matter? And I think that's the question of our day. Why does it matter? If you're saved and going to heaven, why does it matter? What, what about these contradictions that seem to be there? What does it matter? What if this doesn't make sense according to what the, the college professors are, are telling our kids? Why does it matter? Why does it matter? That's the question. Is it really that big of a deal? I've put my faith in Christ, and I'll just tell you, it's a blind faith. I don't need to understand all this stuff. Why does it matter? All of this, why does it matter? If 
Folks, be sure it absolutely does matter. Now, let me tell you why it matters. It is our truth. That's why it matters. It is our guide. That's why it matters. It is enough. We're not going scrambling looking for something to add to it. That's why it matters. God has spoken. These are his words. That's why it matters. But let me tell you more than that. If we can't trust God, what he has said about all things, if we can't trust God, what he said about creation, why in the world would we care what he says about salvation? That's, that's why it matters. Why does it matter? It's because of this. It is trustworthy. It is the truth. And listen to me. It tells us of our salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. That is why it matters. Outside of God's word, you can go out and stare at the sun until you turn blue in the face. You can look at a tree. You can sit Indian style and smoke peyote. You can do whatever you want to do. But listen, you're not going to find the truth of how, what it is to be saved. You're not going to find the truth of the gospel. You'll not find Jesus Christ outside of this word. And so I want to tell you, friend, we better say what it is the truth and it is right and it is pure and it is dependable and I can trust it and I can tell it to my kids and I have to wink as I walk away because you know what? It leads me to my Savior, Jesus Christ. It absolutely does matter. Here's the call of all that. We'll finish next week. So let us be men of his word. Let us read it. Man, we ought to crave to, to hear where it's going to be preached and studied. Let us sit in our houses and, and think about it. Let us memorize it. Thy word I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Let us be men of his word. Change everything. Change everything. You know what? You don't need anything else. Take your Bible. Go home. Be a man of his word. Glad you're here. I'm going to ask if you'll stand at least in a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Glad you're here. Bring, bring somebody with you next week. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, and I'm thankful that I can have confidence that whether some crazy scientists have backed it up or not, I know it's true because you said it's true, and you are the truth. I'm thankful that I have the Word of God that points me to forgiveness for my many terrible sins, that I can have redemption and forgiveness and restoration through the cross of Calvary. And that, that word tells me it's true, and that there's a, there's a resurrected Savior, a reigning King, and our hope is in Him. Lord, I pray that the men in this room, that we will have been trained today, that we will have been encouraged today. And I pray for, for seven and a half years that we've heard nothing but the truth, and it has changed us and changes us moving forward. Lord, let us be men of your word. Help us to embrace it, study it, hear it, repeat it, live it, embrace it. Help us to be men of your word. Word. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.